Good morning. Today's headlines, debt ceiling talks continue. President Biden says a meeting with top congressional leaders was productive. What do the other parties have to say? A jury finds former President Trump liable for sexual abuse and defamation in the E. Jean Carroll lawsuit. Hear Trump's response to the verdict and what his lawyer plans to do next. Criminal charges have been filed against New York Congressman George Santos. He could be in federal court in New York as early as today. Tucker Carlson is launching a new version of his show on Twitter. We share a video where he gives his reasons for choosing the platform, along with Elon Musk's response. And an 83-year-old French woman hopes to take part in next year's Paris Olympic Games. It's a marathon for all. We have the story. Good morning and welcome to NTD. I'm Tiffany Meyer in for Kevin Hogan. Good morning, everyone. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Wednesday, May 10th. Big news with Tucker and Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's first show. It's going to be quite the media shakeup. That's correct. Yeah, I believe so. But also, (laughs) stay tuned for the fun animal stories we have in the end. (laughs) Some lighthearted news. But first, we want to start off with something serious. Um, We start off with the latest on the debt ceiling deadlock in Washington. President Biden met with the top four leaders of Congress for talks yesterday. The president says the meeting was productive and that he will do everything in his power to prevent the U.S. from defaulting on its debt obligation. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the discussions. After three months of deadlock between the White House and Congress, Biden and congressional leadership sat down Tuesday to talk about raising the debt limit. I'm not ruling anything I said. I come back and talk. I just really, there's one thing I'm ruling out is default. And I'm not going to vote, I'm not going to pass a budget that in fact caused massive cuts. The president says he told congressional leaders he's prepared to begin a separate discussion about his budget and spending priorities, but not under the threat of default. He says he made it clear during the meeting that default is not an option and that threats need to be taken off the table. This nation has never defaulted on its debt, it never will. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he also made himself clear during discussions. Everybody in this meeting reiterated the positions they were at. I didn't see any new movement. The president said the staff should get back together, but I was very clear with the president. We have now just two weeks to go. If Chuck Schumer could pass something, we'd go to conference right away and solve that. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says the threat of default is a threat to America. By not taking default off the table, Speaker McCarthy is greatly endangering America and making it much harder to make progress on budget negotiations. Analyst Maya McGinnis told NTD the stalemate illustrates just how broken and divided Washington is. The debt ceiling has for decades, in fact, been increased without huge drama, without thinking we were going to default, but it's also often been attached to policies that would help improve the fiscal situation. McGinnis says the debt ceiling has to be raised and reflects commitments made in the past. She says although being willing to default should not be part of the conversation, if lawmakers want to be fiscally responsible, they should promise not to pass any more legislation with additional borrowing. Unless it's an emergency, there's no reason that the country should be borrowing more. We should be working to get the borrowing that's already on the books under control. Biden and the top congressional leaders meet again on Friday to continue discussions. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. And on this topic, we're bringing in Samuel Gregg to tell us more. He's a distinguished fellow at the American Institute for Economic Research. Good to have you, Samuel. Thanks for having me on. 
Great to have you. Now, with this standoff and the deadline getting closer and closer, I want to know, could we be seeing any, any economical reactions to that uncertainty heading up to June 1st? Well, markets never react well to uncertainty of this scale. And so there'll be people on Wall Street and in the banking houses around the world who will be looking at this very closely to see what Congress and the president end up doing. Uh, I think people are already looking at the US dollar. That's one thing that will be on a lot of people's minds as we get closer to that June 1. Seems we have some connection issues here. Where we've been in the past with some of these issues. We've been down this path before. and. Congress and the president have usually worked something out, but it usually involves kicking the can down the road. And I fear that's what's going to happen this time. Now, Samuel, unfortunately, you were cut off in between for a little bit. I just want to, uh, could you please repeat when you said, I, I heard up until, you know, it's not reacting well. So can you go into a little bit more detail as of what this ex exactly would mean and also, you know, for the average American? Well, we all need to be concerned about the national debt because in some respects, we're all responsible for it. And it's also the case that people look at things like America's credit rating when it comes to our national debt. Uh, Americans are looking at things like how much the government is spending and looking at the fact that this is not being matched by revenue. So we have a serious spending problem in the United States today. And the way which we have dealt with that is by raising the debt limit. The debt limit was never meant for that. It was never meant to be this type of drug that we turn to instead of making the hard fiscal decisions we need to make about expenditures, which unfortunately for a long time, neither the White House nor Congress have been seriously interested in doing. And now what is the risk with this deficit? Because the Republican side's condition for reaching this agreement is to, know, to address this growing budget deficit. Why is it so important that this is addressed? It's important that it's addressed because it means that we're, we're this all this debt we're piling up is basically very much driven by core spending programs. So things like welfare, things like Medicare, etc., all of which are important, but all of which are now presently getting to the point where they can't be funded. We're already being told. We all know that Social Security, if things are not done seriously on the fiscal side in the United States with government spending, we're going to have some serious problems with Social Security, and that literally affects everyone, particularly the most vulnerable people in society. But it also points to the sort of general problem that we have when it comes to spending. A lot of Americans, a lot of people in Congress, a lot of people in the White House like the spending side of things, but you've got to be able to pay for it at some point. And that lack of balance between paying for things that you want and this constant spending that we're doing and the tendency of Congress just to continue spending rather than doing difficult things that and unpopular things like cutting spending or getting Social Security under mm. control, that creates a lot of uncertainty in the market and it makes people generally quite nervous. Right. Now, we have one more minute before we go. I want to know, how do you think this all will play out? Will there be middle ground and where? It's unlikely, I think, that the United States will default. No, that's in no one's interest, and that would send a very bad message to credit markets and the banking system around the world. So that's one thing. I do think, however, that uh, the Republicans know that uh, a distinct majority of Americans now 
are concerned about the debt in a way that they weren't necessarily concerned about 10 years ago. It's also the case that President Biden's spending uh, is also a factor in this. He wants to spend more money. He's made it very clear that he certainly doesn't want to cut spending in any major areas. So I can see at some point um, an extension being passed on the debt, debt, debt uh, limit. But in the long term, I think, I'm afraid we're just going to be reliving this in three months' time, six months' time, a year's time, because there doesn't appear to be the political will uh, in Congress right now to address this problem. And the White House's position isn't helping matters either. Very interesting. Thank you so much for bringing it to shedding some light onto this. Samuel Gregg, I appreciate it this morning. Thanks for having me on. And President Biden will be in Manhattan today to give a speech on the debt limit. And in New York, after a week-long trial, a jury in Manhattan found former President Trump liable yesterday in the lawsuit brought by Eugene Carroll. Trump has responded on Truth Social. Here's the story. A grand jury in Manhattan on Tuesday found former President Trump liable for defamation and sexual abuse in the case brought by former columnist E. Jean Carroll, but they didn't find him liable for rape. Carroll claimed that Trump groped her in a dressing room at the Bergdorf Goodman department store in Manhattan in 1995 or 1996, which Trump denies. Carroll also said his denial has damaged her reputation. The statute of limitations ran out for a criminal case, but the jury was still able to find Trump legally responsible in the civil lawsuit. The jury said Trump should pay a total of about $5 million in damages to Carroll, including about $3 million for the defamation charge and about $2 million for the civil battery charge. The central question of the case was the credibility of Carroll's testimony, given that so much time has passed. After the verdict came out, Carol called it a victory and said she was glad the world, quote, finally knows the truth. Meanwhile, the former president wrote on Truth Social about the verdict, saying, I have absolutely no idea who this woman is. This verdict is a disgrace, a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. Trump says he can't receive a fair trial in Manhattan due to the overwhelming Democratic voting base in the city. He said this about the decision. What else can you expect from a Trump-hating, Clinton-appointed judge who went out of his way to make sure that the result of this trial was as negative as it could possibly be, speaking to and in control of a jury from an anti-Trump area? Trump's attorney, Joseph Takapina, says Trump is planning to appeal the verdict. I know some people in this camp are very happy um, that, you know, the rape claim was rejected, but you know, I'm not, and uh, I am happy about that, certainly, but I'm not happy that he was found liable for anything whatsoever. Takapina took issue with there being an anonymous jury and not having the ability to challenge their backgrounds. He says it indicates what people have been saying, that in New York, you just can't get a fair trial. A spokesperson for the Trump campaign called the case a political endeavor aimed at Trump because he is a front-runner to be elected president. Trump is expected to take part in a CNN town hall forum tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. He will take questions from Republican primary voters at St. Anselm College in New Hampshire. It will be the first major television event of the 2024 presidential campaign. And federal prosecutors have filed criminal charges against New York Congressman George Santos. He is expected to appear as soon as today at a federal court in New York's Eastern District. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more on reactions to the charges. 
The exact nature of the charges was not immediately known, but the FBI and the Justice Department have been investigating allegations of false statements in Santos's campaign finance filings and other claims. Republican Representative Marcus Molinaro reacted to the news. Well, there's a clock ticking, and George Santos should have resigned in December. He should have resigned in January. He should have resigned yesterday, and maybe he'll resign today. Uh, but sooner or later, um, honesty and uh, justice will be delivered to him. The freshman congressman has been under investigation in multiple jurisdictions and by the House Ethics Committee. Top Democrats joined by some Republicans have been calling on Santos to resign over various allegations. GOP Representative Nancy Mace says Republicans need to hold their own people accountable. Well, I said that, I think back in January, he should have resigned, and he'll be the reason that we lose that seat. Republican Congressman Tim Burchett says he believes in letting the system do its job. Santos is a friend of mine. I'm not going to deny that. So that, I haven't read it yet. So let me look at it, okay? While Congressman Mike Lawler says the charges confirm what he has said about Santos since the beginning. The bottom line is his conduct has been embarrassing and disgraceful, uh, and he should resign as a member of Congress. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said that he will look at the charges before determining if Santos should be removed from Congress. During his brief time in office, Santos has been accused of breaking campaign finance laws, violating federal conflict of interest laws, stealing cash meant for an Iraq war veteran's dying dog, masterminding a credit card fraud scheme, and lying about where he went to school and worked. Santos has admitted to making some misleading claims about his education and financial status, but denies the more serious allegations. The charges do not, from a legal standpoint, affect Santos's status as a member of Congress. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Former Fox News host Tucker Carlson posted some big news for his viewers on Twitter yesterday. He says he'll be bringing a new version of his show to the platform. He says he likes that Twitter is not a partisan site where everyone's allowed to speak their minds. He said he feels most news media are misleading people by intentionally leaving out facts and context when they report. The video was posted just hours after Fox CEO Lachlan Murdoch told investors the network has no plans to change its programming strategy. But since Carlson left Fox News, primetime ratings have dropped, and it looks like ratings for his replacement show, Fox News Tonight, are also in a sharp decline. Here's Carlson yesterday. At the most basic level, the news you consume is a lie, a lie of the stealthiest and most insidious kind. Facts have been withheld on purpose, along with proportion and perspective. You are being manipulated. You can't have a free society if people aren't allowed to say what they think is true. Speech is the fundamental prerequisite for democracy. That's why it's enshrined in the first of our constitutional amendments. Amazingly, as of tonight, there aren't many platforms left that allow free speech. The last big one remaining in the world, the only one, is Twitter. Twitter CEO Elon Musk responded to Carlson's tweet. He clarified that there was no kind of deal signed whatsoever. Musk says he hopes many other content creators, particularly from the left, also choose to use the platform. Coming up, the U.S. is sending more aid to Ukraine as part of a program to bolster the country's security needs. Find out what the money will be used for. And car insurance premiums have gone up, the biggest surge in six years. But why are the costs so high? We have that and more after the break.
Welcome back. The Pentagon announced yesterday it will provide further aid to Ukraine as part of a program that allows Kyiv to purchase goods directly from, its, from the defense industry. Here's NTD's Kostam Ines with more. The Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative, or USAI, will offer over $1 billion to Ukraine. The funding will be used for additional air defense missiles, artillery ammunition, and satellite imagery from commercial companies. Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Pat Ryder says it aims to secure Ukraine's medium and long-term security needs. The combined total under the USAI since the war began is nearly $15 billion. Previous funds were used to purchase equipment, including attack drones, anti-tank missiles, Soviet-caliber and NATO standard artillery ammunition, and coastal defense missiles, as well as armored boats, tanks, air defense missile launchers, and M142 HIMARS vehicles with guided rockets. Tuesday's announcement is separate from the close to 40 previously announced aid packages of military hardware, worth over $20 billion. Cost MNS, NTD News. Pakistan's former Prime Minister Imran Khan was arrested and dragged from court yesterday. He appears to be facing charges in multiple political corruption cases. The arrest has sparked violent demonstrations from angry supporters. A fight erupted between Khan supporters and police outside the court. Some of Khan's lawyers were injured in the scuffle. Clashes between protesters and the military broke out across the country. Police have been firing tear gas to disperse protesters. At least one person has been killed and around 20 hurt. Regulators blocked social media sites, including Twitter and Internet service, was suspended in some areas. Khan has denounced the cases against him, which include terrorism charges. He says they're politically motivated. Now we have some good news for Amazon Prime shoppers. Oh, that's me. I'm ready for that. <laughs> so Amazon is now offering certain Prime members $10 to pick up an order they purchased rather than have it shipped. The offer applies to customers who have never used Amazon Pickup or have not used the service in the last 12 months. An undisclosed number of customers were emailed over the last few days. They were offered $10 to collect orders worth $25 or more at designated pickup points. Those include Whole Foods, Amazon Fresh, or Kohl's stores. Mm, so basically a good way to save money if you live nearby one of those stores. Indeed, and actually Amazon says the promotion is not new. It's had similar pickup promotions before. Really? I'm checking my emails after this. <laughs> and talking about money, just this week, one of our viewers asked us why his auto insurance premiums have gone up so much. So this one's for you, Frank. And don't worry, you're not the only one feeling this. Insurance rates have gone up across the country. Entity's Fake Quarter finds out why and gives us tips on the many ways to save some money on premiums. Car insurance premiums are expected to rise by 8.4% this year, the biggest surge in six years. The average cost of car insurance is now $168 a month. Why are the costs so high? A couple things. One, inflation. Even though it's still slowing, it is still here, and the cost to repair a car and to replace a car has gotten more expensive. Lauren Fix is an automotive expert at Car Coach Reports. She says that insurance companies consider many things when considering how much to charge for policies. 
The cost to repair a car is one of those things. Motor vehicle repair costs have leaped 23% over the last year. Everything associated with car repair has gotten more expensive, according to research firm J.D. Power. But the good news is there are many ways to save money on insurance. For example, you can ask the insurance company for a higher deductible. But keep in mind that means if you do have a fender bender, that you would have to pay a higher amount out of pocket. If you've got renter's insurance or homeowner's insurance, you can bundle that with your car insurance. Having it all under one brand will save you money. And again, always shop around, use online resources. There's a bunch of different insurance companies that are always looking for your business. You can also head over to bankrate.com to compare different quotes from the major firms. Just put in your zip code to get started. Faye Quarter, NTD News. Always some good advice from Lauren Fix. And shout out to our reporter. Hopefully, Frank, you got some tips there. And actually, Evelyn, there's this new interesting study about hydration that I think will be quite interesting. It says milk may well be the most hydrating drink for humans. Mm. The research was conducted by St. Andrews University in Scotland. It found that pure water hydrates the body very quickly, whereas drinks containing some fat and protein can extend the hydration process. All of these nutrients are found in milk. Scientists say this means milk retains liquids in the stomach, keeping the body hydrated for longer. Milk also contains sodium, which helps to retain water in the body. That's actually really interesting. Right, and the study also found that beverages with high sugar content, such as fruit juices or sodas, don't offer adequate hydration for the body. I, I think I have noticed this, and I'm not really good at staying hydrated, but I'm also not that much of a milk drinker, as you might have noticed from my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> so you think you're going to change now? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll put mil more milk in my coffee. <laughs> All right. Uh, and coming up, heading to the break now, an 83-year-old French woman hopes to take part in next year's Paris Olympic Games. It's a marathon for all. And some police officers in Oklahoma were in for a big surprise when they rushed to the rescue of someone yelling for help. That story after the break. Good to have you back. An 83-year-old woman, French woman is on the run. Like, really, she's been running an average of 30 miles a week to stay in shape. The great-grandmother even beat a world record by dashing 78 miles at age 82, all within just 24 hours. Now, she's training for a new event. It's open to the public at the 2024 Paris Olympics. And today's Andrew Thomas has the latest. Barbara Humbert was the oldest woman to run the Paris Marathon in April. The great-grandmother finished her 57th marathon in 6 hours, 21 minutes, and 1 second. But Umber's dream is to take part in next year's Paris Olympic Games Marathon for All. The race is open to the public. Around 20,000 runners' bibs will be distributed for the event. Lucky participants will be picked in a random draw. But I really hope to have my bib and to be able to run at night. Beautiful. I love running at night. The Marathon for All, the MPT for the occasion of the Olympic Games in 2024. I absolutely need this bib. Dozens of medals decorate the entrance of Umber's home. They remind her of all the races she's participated in and the places she's traveled. 
Je suis très modeste parce que... I am very modest because we're always glad and happy to have finished a marathon, a big race, to have succeeded. And the medals, they show me the effort. Amber started running at the age of 43 after one of her eldest daughters recommended she try it. Since then, she has racked up nearly 5,000 miles in official races. That's enough to make it to Beijing. She says she has no secrets, instead crediting regular training, a good diet, and her will. I run, I run. I don't realize that it's exceptional because I feel like before. Of course, I slow down. You have to accept to slow down. I have to rest a little more. I am very careful with training, with my food, much more than before, because I am aware of my age. Amber is doing everything she can for a chance to run at the 2024 Olympics Marathon for All. Her husband, Jacques, said he even reached out to the French sports minister. But this marathon for all this time is like a crowning achievement. It's a bouquet of flowers. After all, at the end of all the marathons I've done so far, it's really going to be the bouquet, the reward. Amber says she isn't planning to stop anytime soon. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Impressive. Well, that countryside's so pretty. Are you inspired to run now? I'm never really inspired to run, but I'm inspired to know, you know, it's never too late to start. <laughs> Indeed, that was very impressive. And actually, we have one more very fun story. Sometimes a call can really get your goat. Two police officers didn't know what was in store for them when they responded to a report of someone yelling for help. When they arrived at the scene, the officers began walking toward the faint sound of someone yelling. As they got closer, one of the officers heard a distinct cry for help. Feeling the urgency of the moment, the policeman began running toward the sound. But the men in blue soon discovered their damsel in distress was just a very upset goat who had been separated from one of her friends. Wow, I feel safer knowing these two are on the job. Indeed, and I've heard there are actually quite a few calls of goats' cries being mixed up with people. But you know, I can really see how could that, ha that could happen. If you listen to that sound, it's immaculate. <laughs> all right, that's all for today's program. We'd love to hear from you. You can share your thoughts and your story at goodmorning at ntd.com for your chance to be featured here. So shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Tiffany Meyer.